This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Well, it's time for the Model 3 Owners Club podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. And uh, sorry about the delays, folks. We've been gone for a couple of weeks. One week was on vacation, just a lot of things going on and stuff. And uh, wow, I, I got to learn not to take vacations because holy crap, so much stuff has happened. So, um, you know, and, and Elon, of course, dropped a big bomb on everybody this week. But uh, that's the elephant in the room. We'll leave that a little bit later in the show. Um, but before we get into this, I just want to talk about our guests that are here today. So uh, joining us as usual is Eric Camacho. How are you doing, Eric? Eric? I'm doing well, everybody. Welcome. That's great. And uh, we also have Michael Bodner. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. Good. And last but not least, Ian. How are you doing, buddy? I am well. Good evening, everybody. That's good. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's just dive into this. We just got so much to talk about. So we're going to plow through some of these items and leave uh, the big juicy stuff towards the end. Um, so the, one of the first items that's available, of course, on the Model 3 since they've started is uh, the all-white interior is now available uh, for anybody who wants to order the all-wheel drive Model 3. So it's not just uh, limited to the, uh, the performance Model 3. So I'll give you a nice picture here. There's a kind of a nice three-quarter shot of the back seats. I love it. It looks really good. Now, of course, I understand white is not for everyone. And I always tell people, of course, they, they always ask me about my white interior. And I'm always like, well, if you have kids, if you have dogs, and if you don't like cleaning your car, <laughs> don't get the white seats. Otherwise, they're great. They're easy to keep clean. So those of you who want that, I think it's a, what is it, a $2,000 option for, uh, to get that uh, as a premium for the white interior. So uh, glad to see that arriving. The next major hurdle, of course, uh, with the Model 3 is getting that standard battery out and uh, the standard interior. Of course, we don't know what the standard interior is going to look like, but I, I have a pretty good guess that it's going to be cloth. Uh, not a lot of amenities that way. So uh, yeah, glad to see that. Uh, the next item on the list here is uh, there's been some changes to the supercharging program. Um, so for those of you who have referral codes, which is basically everybody who owns a Tesla now, including the Model 3 people, I should mention the referral code that, that you can give out to people only gives freebies or the free supercharging, so to speak, for S, X, and the Performance Model 3. Now, I'm sure Ian, yes, yes Ian, you're very, <laughs> you're very happy about get, waking up that morning. That was a nice Christmas present for you, wasn't it? That was friggin' Awesome. I lost it when I saw that. A big uh, a big shout out to Brad Garcia for breaking that on the forum. Uh, it's the first thing I read that morning. And, and as I, I responded, I'm pretty sure the neighbors heard me scream when I read <laughs> that one out. It's like, wow, man, that's a huge present. And I mean, like no word of a lie. I mean, our, our big plan with this car is to travel a lot with it. And I'm thinking I calculate if I hang on to it 10 years, which I'm going to have to now free supercharging. Um, I could save about 6,000 bucks in, in what we plan to do with that car over the span of 10 years, just and traveling so that's that's a huge one yeah uh, like for us on the vacation we use the superchargers basically exclusively i even brought my chatmo adapter i brought my 50 or my 30 foot uh, nemo 1450 extension cable uh never used it i used the level one twice 
at uh, my uncle's place, my cousin's place. Otherwise, it was superchargers. The nice thing about the superchargers at the end of the day is that it's frictionless, right? You just plug it in, you kind of forget about it. Um, even if you have to pay, it's still frictionless. It's just one less thing. So a really nice bonus for uh, for people to get the Performance Model 3. That's a, it's a really great little bonus on Tesla's part. It just shows, you know, they've got some margins in there that they can kind of throw around a little bit. So that's quite nice. I'm, I'm hoping, I haven't 100% confirmed, but I think the Model 3 people will be able to participate in uh, referral awards, although they may end up phasing that out. Right now, everything's still still in play. Um, you guys, have you clicked on the loot box at all? You, you have that in your app on your phone? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, Trev, actually, even people who have not taken delivery yet of their Model 3s have referral codes that they can give out. Well, well you have to have a confirmed order, though. Confirmed order, right? But they yeah. don't even have delivery yet, and they've they've got the loot box. Mm, yeah. That's that's the case with me. I definitely have my referral code, so uh, I should actually start tweeting that out. Who knows? Maybe I'll get a. <laughs> <laughs> that's an idea, isn't it? Ian needs his roadster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see here. Um, oh, yeah, go ahead. Jeff, sorry, just just before we go ahead, I want to just clarify what they've done in terms of the dates. So, the program as it stands now, they've told us the deadline is September fifteenth. So, anybody who puts an order in on an S, an X, or a Performance three with a referral code until September fifteenth will get lifetime supercharged. So the end of the third quarter. Correct. After September sixteenth, sorry, correct. Uh, you only get one year, so I don't. I just want to make sure everybody understands that. Yeah, that I was. I was going to get to that. Thanks. Thanks for that bringing okay. that up. So it's it's very important to remember that the free unlimited supercharging is going away. Um, yep. I, I think it's pretty apparent here that Tesla really wants to move away from any form of free supercharging, no matter what. Um, they've been. I mean, if you look at the, the progression of supercharging, they've been threatening to take it away for some time. They kept extending it. But you could see here that they've been chopping off like grandfathering and then the free now. Um, so eventually, I think what's going to end up happening is that on the really super high-end cars, what's going to happen is you'll get one year free supercharging. After that, you fall into the fate, you, you fall into the 400 kilowatt hour uh, free uh, yearly allotment. And then anything over and above that, you have to pay except for non-performance model threes they're they're just paid no matter which way you look at mm -hmm. it so also of interest too is that if we think back to one of our prior shows with the premium internet option uh that you're going to get that for the first year for free in, in your car and now free supercharging uh will be offered for the first year after september 16th so there there are some unique parallels there uh, when it comes to those uh those two options yeah and and i would add one more thing i just know uh, the local supercharger here down in south florida it's a popular spot at lunchtime, and you see it loaded with S's and X's, and it's the same people every day. <laughs> They're not traveling over a distance. They're just getting free electricity. Getting free electricity. And, mm -hmm. and that's not the intent of the superchargers. So no. for me, you know, giving it for a year, uh, those who get grandfathered in, grandfathered in, of course, that's great. But um, I think this is only a good thing. The more Teslas on the road, the more you want to have access to the superchargers when you need them, not just because you're avoiding your electric bill at home. <laughs> <laughs> charge at home folks that's where it matters at the end of the day it's besides it's it's the cheapest method anyways yeah. if you have to pay at the end of the day all right moving along uh let's see here uh some changes to the autopilot program of course um enhanced autopilot trials um have started so they're starting to roll out now so for those of you who haven't purchased enhanced autopilot uh you'll be able to do a 14-day trial after that, you'll have to pay or you just opt out of the program. I'll put a link in the video description to uh, Tesla's uh, FAQ on that on their website. Uh, basically, it boils down if you have a hardware uh, one car, so that's um, 
uh, S's and X's that were made prior to, uh, I think it was September of 2016. My, my date might be off a little bit. So any car that has the uh, Autopilot 1 equipment, that's a $5,000 upgrade. And of course, if you have the Autopilot 2 equipment, that's a $6,000 upgrade. That These are U.S. prices, of course. So no breaks on the price. You have to pay. Um, but at least you can get a free trial uh, to test it out. So if you haven't bought it, you can always do that after the fact. I mean, you could always do it after the fact. Um, now, Tesla had done, I think, a program like this for a short while in 2016 uh, where mm -hmm. you had a 30-day trial. Um, and then it kind of petered out very quietly and stuff. So now they're actually bringing it back. And I, I think it makes sense for, for a lot of people that really want to get into this. Of course, uh, this is for enhanced autopilot. It's not uh, full self-driving. Full self-driving does not exist yet. So there's no, re you know, there's no reason to be um, offering that. Speaking of which, um, they also confirmed that the people that, uh, you know, of course, Elon's been talking, of course, in the, in the second quarter uh, financial call, which we'll talk about a little bit later here. But he did touch... On the uh, in, uh, on autopilot version three, which will be coming next year, which is a completely new computer system. We'll talk about that. Um, and I always speculated that the people that would get the free upgrade would be people who actually paid for full self driving, and that's exactly what's happened. That was actually clarified today uh, or yesterday. Yeah, I think it was today. Um, so yeah, uh, for anybody who's looking for a free upgrade who currently has a car, an SX or a three with the hardware two, the only way you can get the free computer upgrade is if you've already paid for uh, full self-driving. So not too many people have actually done that. I, ha I know one person has a Model X who paid for the full self-driving, um, but yeah. Uh, um, Trev, I did see a note for the uh, trial. I believe you need version 2018.28.1 or newer to get that 14-day trial. Well, that stands to reason that, yeah, you'd have to have the firmware update because they have to build the capability to be able to activate it and all the other stuff. So yeah, make sure that you... Right. Uh, uh, that you've updated your software. Well, you can't update your software. You just got to wait for it, right? <laughs> That's kind of how, exactly. how things happen. But if you don't have that yet, don't worry. The trial's coming, I'm sure. Okay, good. Good to know. Um, any other comments on that before we move on? Looking forward to it. Who ha who doesn't have uh, who doesn't have um, autopilot? Eric, do you do you have it? I do. Uh, I know Ian does not. Ian doesn't no. have anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ian's driving a Corolla at the moment that doesn't even have. Well, actually, it does have cruise control, but that's about it. Any no, I've I've had it, and I think it's I think it's one of the the greatest uh, creations that Tesla's put out there, aside from the vehicles themselves. Uh, you know, it's it's been touted on this show and on the forums many a times just how great the technology is, and what the developers have been able to do with the AI uh, for autopilot, uh, and then with every update, it just gets better and better, smoother. Uh, it, it's just becoming more natural. And for me, I drive sixty miles round trip each day to work. And back, and I can't go a day without using it. It's just, it's a great, great product, and it's still in beta, and it's still great. Yeah, I, I love to use it. The only problem, of course, is is the nag now down to fifteen or twenty seconds. That that was a bit much. I really would rather see that back to like a minute. But other than that, it, it's great. Um, all right, so let's move on. The next one here, uh, Model Three. Uh, it's already getting better. Official zero to sixty numbers. Uh, you want to get in on this? Yeah, I'm going to go supervillain monologuing here for a bit. Apologies to everyone else here. Okay. <laughs> but there's so much to talk about in Performance Model 3 news just because there's been so many cars hitting the road and so many videos coming out and people relating their experiences. So, uh, yeah, we just wasn't long ago in one of the last episodes we were conjecturing, like, is the Model 3 performance going to be exactly dialed in at the number, 0 to 63.5? Is there any headroom like there has been traditionally on some of the other cars? 
I thought no, because they're using the standard motor and just giving it a better inverter and kind of overclocking it. Turns out I was wrong and I'm so happy I was because people are already hitting zero to 16, 3.3. There's a number of videos that have that, uh, even road and track from their, um, their road test at uh, Lime Rock um, track got that number and we even saw one instance of somebody getting a 3.18 now that was an outlier and that was a one direction run with a very slight elevation drop so i'm going to say that's a little bit on the fringe right now mm -hmm. but uh yeah cars are consistently getting a 3.3 and uh, quarter miles like 11.7 11.8 there was one release today of a guy going head to head with a mclaren 570 at one mile of altitude and i mean the mclaren 570 is a 10 second car and he was within 0.2 seconds i mean the mclaren turned in 11.5 and the performance model 3 in 11.7 and these are all on the stock tires which are not fabulous for traction um, the other thing I should note is there were a lot of people saying, well, what's the difference in acceleration if you have the base car with the 18s versus uh, the 20 inch? And it wouldn't seem to make a big difference. And I'm thinking this is because you might have slightly better traction on those 20 inch Michelins, but the 18 inch um, base wheels are about six pounds lighter a corner. And that's going to have a significant effect on acceleration. So, um, Do you think but some really sticky rubber, uh, we'll, we'll get down close to three, I think with sticky rubber. I'm, I'm calling some solid three ones, three twos. Do, do you think the car would actually benefit from having say some kind of like a, like a staggered setup as well, Ian? That's yeah. We talk about that a lot in the forum. I get drilled with questions. Well, what about stagger? What about it? mm, it's hard to say because going wider um, with standard production street tires doesn't necessarily ben benefit you a lot. What you want in a, like to get maximum acceleration, you want a tire that's got a really soft sidewall and is not particularly low profile. Look at a dragster. That gives you pretty much oh, a yeah. good idea of what the optimum traction tire is, which is horrible at anything else. You wouldn't <laughs> even want to go to the grocery store. Well, everything's about compromise, right? So. That's it, exactly. So you want a tire that's got a lot of flexibility so that it can launch hard and grip the road. Um, believe me, I will run every test known to mankind. I have <laughs> a huge amount of stock available, and we're going to be doing all sorts of filming with it. We're going to have all kinds of fun. So I'm going to try square. I'm going to try stagger, wider, narrower, different compounds. Mm. We'll, we'll have this figured out. But uh, encouraging to see that the car is, is already bettering its numbers, and it's got exactly. potential, I think, to well, do better. I'm really yeah. looking forward to seeing what you can come up with on that. Hey, Ian, yeah. can I ask you a follow-up question? Sure. So do you think, uh, we already know the performance numbers that have come out. We know what the dual motor is now doing. Do you think that the performance Model 3 can break three seconds? Well, again, that's another one that was on the forum. And I, I was even joking. It's like, okay, I'm starting an extreme diet, like some 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 real heavy cleansing over the next two months to see how much <laughs> weight I can drop. <laughs> I might be Just pulling up the other seats out. Yeah, well, that's that's it. But uh, to me, that's cheating. I mean, you know, you start stripping out the interior. I've seen guys do that with P100Ds and get yeah, crazy yeah. numbers. I'm, I'm not going to start dismantling my brand new $91,000 car. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I it'll be cool to see how much it takes to get it there. I mean, but you got to realize when you're talking cars that are in the mid to low threes, every point one of a second is a pretty significant improvement well tesla don't so. forget tesla also has a history of doing software updates on their cars to improve the performance i mean last year we got the uncorking right mm -hmm. including my car yep. um yep. and then the year before that i mean they've been tweaking the firmware in the car to be able to get a, a little bit more performance now i'm not to say that they'll maybe do exactly the same thing on the model 3 because we just don't know how much tuning they can do on that um on that permanent magnet um, reluctance motor because it is super yeah. efficient. So yeah. if they're going to do any tweaking, it might be, say, on the torque sleep on the front motor, which is AC induction or something. So, um, yeah, who knows, right? <laughs> 
Well, this is it. And I come back to what I said earlier. Like, I think they're going to want to hang on, I don't know how much, in four or six months, maybe a year, to collect uh, reliability data because these are all still relatively oh, yeah. new motors. And I mean, you know, the level of performance they're getting out of these same motors now for the P3D application is pretty extreme. So I think they're going to want to log a ton of data, digest it all, see what the failure rate is, and then see how much more they can uncork. That's That's my best guess. Yeah, I agree with 100%. Okay, so uh, moving along, uh, another one. Um, have you guys been watching uh, this uh, fellow's YouTube? He goes by Engineerics on YouTube. Uh, he, he seems to have, well, he had a Model 3, and I don't know if he bought another one that was crashed or whatever. He's been tearing this thing apart and showing everybody the electronics and how it's built. Um, so he's already confirmed at this point, this is one of our talking points here, that the uh, dual motor Model 3 and the base P3D um, have the same springs on the car. Correct. And the other thing too, and I'll, and I'll try to remember to put a link in the video description you can watch, and he specifically talks about the electronics in the car. He basically had pulled all the wiring out of the car, all the electronics, the dash, um, both motors, and he kind of laid it out on the garage floor, plugged it all back in, and just get a quick video tour of all the different components that make up the car. And the one thing that struck me um, with the Model 3 is just how much simpler the wiring harness is compared to other cars. He actually made a point of that. Um, he said, I think he mentioned it was a Toyota Prius or something that he had experience with. Um, it had a lot more, uh, the Prius I'm talking about here, had a lot more modules and, and different and, and more wiring. So it just goes to show that some of the, uh, the efficiencies in the Model 3. The other thing too, I want to make a point of this that he talked about, that uh, the Model 3 has two vehicle control modules or VCMs, um, one on an each, each kick plate, uh, driver and passenger side. And the Model 3... I don't know if you know this or not. Does not have traditional fuses. Um, they've, they've. He's taken one of these apart. It's all MOSFETs in there, which means that you can't just tap your dash cam into a power outlet and hope that everything works. It just doesn't work like that. So he did show in the video one, or it was a subsequent video. I'm sorry, where there was a special spot, on, like an in-use pin or like that, on on one of the white connectors on the VCM, uh, where you could tap power. Now you you would still have to apply. Uh, like an, an inline, uh, inline fuse uh, to power something like a dash cam or whatever. But it shows that there are some promising areas that we can get some power. This is proven to be a little bit of a difficult car for people that want to add accessories to it because right now we've been relegated to pulling stuff out of the 12-volt socket. So it, it's interesting. So um, for those of you that are very technical, I'm going to keep following this guy. I would recommend you subscribe to his YouTube channel. Um, he's on a roll here. He's going to be taking some other stuff apart. He's going to be like our public... Uh, uh, Sandy Monroe, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, totally. No, he's he's got some good numbers, and I was really appreciative of him going back and getting the exact uh, number sets on the springs. If you go on the forum, and if you look he at... He is on the forum, uh, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 on M3OC for sure, and we've got a thread going now that uh, dual motor and performance model three are coming arriving. I forget what the thread is, but if you look that up, you'll see that he gives a complete list of all of the spring numbers. So he's got the early spring numbers. He he figured out that yes, there's a different code on the cars up to VIN two thousand and something. After that, it changes again, and then uh, dual motor. Uh, and base performance model three have yet a third set of spring numbers. So, so far there's three different sets of springs. And then we know for, we don't have the number, but we know for sure that the um, performance upgrade package on performance model three has yet another set of springs because those are lower. So there's actually four different versions uh, floating around. Yeah. I went to see Sasha uh, a few weeks ago and I was blown away by how complex and very cleverly laid out the, um, 
the suspension is on the Model 3. There's a lot of different linkages and stuff. It just shows that there's definitely some room for improvement for people that, that want to do some performance stuff. Um, oh, by the way, um, this fella, the Engineerics guy, also has another video where he uh, looks at a brand new performance Model 3, shows you all of the, uh, the changes underneath the, the tunnel. Yeah, and... Uh, I watched it like six times. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the half shafts go through the, um, the front leakage, whereas before it kind of goes around and stuff. So, yeah, there's some interesting changes in there. I think in a lot of ways it just shows that Tesla was thinking in advance for all of these things. It'll be interesting to see once we get some right-hand drive cars, uh, because it looks to me, and I've seen the firewall on a few occasions on some of the earlier videos, and it looks like it's all symmetric. So they were thinking well in advance not to have to re-engineer this car for right-hand drive. So, uh, agreed. I'm, Go ahead. I'm, I'm just going to jump back and uh, and expand a little bit further, Trev, on uh, P3D on that road and track test. Um, if you have any interest at all in the Performance Model 3 and what it does, and particularly the track mode, which all of us oh, yeah. Performance Model 3 people are drooling over, um, that road and track test is gold. It's fantastic. It was extensive. It's beautifully written. And what's cool about it was not only did they spend an entire day with two examples of the car there at Lime Rock, flogging it to see what it could do, but they also had uh, two of the key people from the car's development uh, from Tesla on staff. They had Lars Moravi, who was director of chassis engineering, nice. and Michael Neumeyer, who's manager of chassis control. And they were there the whole day to basically fill them in on uh, how they adapted the car uh, for track use and how they developed track mode. And uh, th the beginning of the story is hilarious because the uh, the author starts off, it all began with a tweet. And it, of course, this was the famous <laughs> tweet where, you know, will the car have track mode? And it was like, uh, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, it will. It'll be it will outrun a BMW M3 or whatever. And apparently these guys scrambled for the hill. Now, what we've discovered is in the background, they've been working on this for years. Um, and it's something that was one of my only pet peeves that I hated about the cars. You could not disable uh, the stability control. Right. There was no way to turn any of that stuff off on any previous Tesla. Uh, and he, this was the green light for them to go ahead and do it. So I was super excited to hear that, particularly because I want to take mine rallying in the winter and having the, you know, stability control constantly nagging would drive me insane. So yeah, yeah R&T spent the day there. They had these two engineers on staff who would brainstorm the whole thing. And uh, the, the description of how it works is beautiful. And what's cool is you have a car on the track with completely separate front and rear drivetrains that you can reprogram the region individually. So you can have basically more braking at the front, more braking at the rear. Uh, you can dial in the amount of stability control you want all individually. And they've tuned this so perfectly. And the way it was described was it drives a lot like a front wheel drive hot hatch, except it has the power and acceleration of an all wheel drive car. So when you're entering the corner, you back off the throttle for, for lack of a better word. Accelerator. The front motor, yeah, the accelerator. The front wheels will start to regen hard. It can it can generate up to 0.3 Gs just in regen. That's a pretty significant amount. I mean, you're talking about a third of the maximum braking the car can uh, achieve just on regen alone. That causes the front end to dig in, lightens up the rear end, the car starts to pivot, and the stability control will now let the back end pivot around. So you can walk this thing into the corner hard on the nose <laughs> and then power out of there. I mean, I was just drooling reading the this. The beauty this of be dual brilliant. motor and having individual software electronic control over the torque. Yeah, yeah. this car literally it. will do things that no conventional car with all-wheel no, drive not possible. will do. No, no, you, you, you can't. It's, it's, you're reaching a new plane of existence here, and apparently it's <laughs> so easy to drive quick. 
So uh, yeah, hats off to them. This was uh, a really, really good in-depth article. Anybody who hasn't read it, go to Road and Track. It's still, I think, their feature article on their website. I'm definitely going to do that. I'm running a little bit behind on some of the stuff but uh, because of vacation, but definitely going to check that out. I think, I think it also really points in a direction. You know, last in October when Tesla... Um, you know, announced the semi-truck and they said, look, we've made this thing that's impossible to jackknife because we can do all this torque moving around on the motors. It just goes to show maybe these guys are working on that project now. It's just, it's amazing what can be done just with yeah. individual motors. And I think it's also part why Tesla is putting three motors in the Roadster, right? That thing is going to be mental what they're going to be able to Whoa. do with that thing. Yeah, because with, with twin motors in the rear axle, now you can do uh, torque vectoring. You can have each individual motor apply exactly the amount of power you want on the inside and outside, you know, as you enter the corner. Uh, kind of like what's being done now with these intelligent differentials, but you can do it so much more precisely. Like that car, the handling is going to be mental. Um, please use my referral code so we can yes. get one. We can go yes. for a ride. Yes. Michael, please share your thoughts. You're, you're being quiet on the subject. I'm just thinking that my rear-wheel drive Model 3 is amazing, and listening to Ian <laughs> talk about this performance car, I, I want to take a test drive so badly, and at the same time, I don't, because I feel like that, that could be a $30,000 test drive. <laughs> He's going to want to trade yeah. it in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it almost doesn't even sound real. It sounds like a video game. It's, but I, but uh, I think, I think the, the crux of all of this really is the power of electric cars. You know, we, we, we can certainly see that just having one rear motor, I mean, Michael, you and I pretty much drive the exact same car. Um, it, it really responds the minute you want the car to respond. To, I can't even fathom taking yeah. that and like exponentially raising it to a whole new level for the performance car, the doom. I, I just, I can't understand what that's like. So to even think about the folks like Ben Sullins who are fortunate to be able to get a roadster like how how do you manage that Two in your roadsters. life like, it's like i know but it's still like incredible to have the car like come on man but yeah but that's that's why electric cars are so great because there's so much performance in a very very small little package that you wouldn't otherwise have in an ice i, I take people out co-workers out for lunch and we get on the highway and just you know your basic merging onto the highway getting up to highway speed and they freak out and i said that's that's like 10 percent throttle I don't even, I don't even do anything, and and they're they're like giddy in the passenger seat. It, and this is nothing compared to performance or roadster. Forget about it. It's well, it's the it's same. Insane. It's kind of the same shtick I do with 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 the Model X. I mean, it's the biggest, but it's also the slowest car they make. Mm -hmm. So you blow them away, and you say, "By the way, this is the slowest car they make. Even the Model Three is faster <laughs> than this thing." <laughs> you know, at half the price. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's good. It's uh, it's very encouraging to see what's going on. All right, let's move on here. Um, white, well, Model 3, best-selling premium size sedan in the U.S., uh, according to July's numbers, 52% market share. <laughs> Holy mackerel. <laughs> well, you know, is, is it surprising? I mean, pent-up demand, uh, competition that have nothing to offer that's even remotely close to the Model 3 in terms of performance and handling. Um any thoughts on this, guys, who's getting into this thing? I mean, geez, it's crazy. Well, I think it's, you know, and, and we want to be specific here. Tesla was counting in that reporting the BMW 3 Series, the Audi A4, the Mercedes C-Class, the Lexus IS, and the Jaguar XE as comparisons. So 
even with that in mind, um, you know, we know that there's a lot of folks who are still waiting on the standard Model 3. We know some folks are still waiting to get their deliveries. But to have that much growth in a short time frame, when so many people out there are like, they're never going to do it. They're not going to hit 3,000, not going to get 5,000 per week, not going to hit the, and, and so far they've proven them all wrong. And now we go, here we are basically midway through 2018 and we're out selling the other cars combined. Uh, which is a testament to um, the fortitude of trying to get this out there. Well, the other thing that I get on Twitter, of course, when you repeat some of this stuff, is you get the people, the naysayers or the non-believers or whatever you want to call them, and they're all, well, what happens when they fill all those orders in the U.S.? I want to see how long they can sustain it for. Uh, folks, we haven't even seen the base Model 3 yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think there's a large majority of people that are waiting for that car. I mean, you know, us too. Um, they haven't even started in Europe. They haven't started in Asia Pacific yet. This thing is just mental. It's just <clears throat> taking over. Ah, yeah, you know, Trev. I think the naysayer comment on that one is it's border. It's it's fair. It's a fair statement. I I, you're, I would you're agree. Orders that were from two years ago, but at the same time, uh, those people waited two years to get this car. They're not banging down the door to get the competition's car anymore. So it's still it's an impressive number. These are people who are not buying that three series at A4, the, the Mercedes C. They're, they're hanging in, waiting for this car. Before we went live, I, I shared the story of a coworker whose lease ended and uh, he, he wants a standard battery or standard range yeah. Model 3. He's taking the train to work. He, he does not want to get a competitive car. He'd rather wait a couple months, yeah. inconvenience himself a little bit, sure. and, uh, and wait for the right car. So I think that's just a testament to. Uh, you just said it. Standard range comes. This thing is going to get even crazier. Oh yeah, just it's just going to blow up. It's just going to be crazy. Oh, for sure. Um, the other thing that we're talking about here is the, uh, of course, Tesla is taking trades on these cars. Um, there's some interesting articles here. The top uh, top five non-Tesla cars being traded in for the Model Three. Who wants to take point on this one? This is this is really interesting. Oh, this is fantastic. So we have, so when you think of Tesla years ago, you would think about the cars that are coming in. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not the, the Honda Accord. It's not the, you know, the Subarus. It's, you know, really high end vehicles. Um, you know, we've had people trying to trade in McLarens, like, you know, really awesome cars. Nowadays, we're trading in BMW 3 Series, Honda Accord, Honda Civic, Nissan Leaf, and Toyota Prius. Wow. Like those are the top five cars being traded into Tesla now uh, with the Model 3. Now, granted, those are non-Tesla cars. There are obviously some Teslas that people are trading in after leases are up or things like that. But again, that's when you think of luxury brand cars that people are getting into. We know right now we're, you know, Tesla's producing a fifty thousand dollar car and plus, mm-hmm. and these folks are basically getting out of a twenty thousand dollar car to now get into a fifty thousand dollar car, um, which is crazy, which is just incredible. Uh, but yeah, that's we're, a BMW 3 Series. I mean, Toyota Prius, you know, Nissan Leaf. These are these are basically you know not premium cars, and and that's what they're being traded well, in. Well, part, part of that I think too is you, you've got some people that have been driving uh, have been driving electric cars for some time now, want to go full battery, but didn't really have any other products to buy that were long range. And of course, the Model 3 certainly satisfies that desire. Um, you're again, I hate to harp on this again, but we still haven't seen the, the standard range car yet. We're seeing a lot of people that are mm-hmm. upgrading, spending more than they normally would. Maybe they're factoring in, and I think they should, uh, the cost of fuel savings, especially outside of the U.S. because you know, let's face it, gas is relatively cheap in the U.S. compared to everywhere else. I mean, I was just in Montreal. If you do the conversion, cost of fuel in Montreal, uh, $5.48 a gallon. 
I have to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our world. <clears throat> exactly. Whew. So yeah, uh, Trev, I mentioned it before. Uh, with the mileage that I drive, which is about twenty thousand a year, I just hit ten thousand in six yep. months. I'll save mm. about twelve thousand dollars over six years. I got the full credit. That's nineteen thousand five hundred dollars. I traded in a Hyundai Sonata. That was a thirty-three thousand dollar car. Add nineteen grand to it, fifty-two. I spent a little bit more. And I got a whole lot more well, of cars. Course. Yeah. Basically. And I so. think, that, yeah, that, that, that's part of the thing. I, I think you've got some people that are actually sitting down and actually properly doing the math now. And I've said this many times before. Most people, when they buy a car, they go into the dealer and they say, how much is this thing going to cost me to drive it off the lot today? They don't think about gas. They don't think about maintenance. Those are mm -hmm. just kind of side things that we just kind of know and they're, they're, they're in perpetuity. Uh, but with, but with a, a Tesla or a full battery electric car, you got to capture that, that, that math and actually put it into your equation. Um, and eventually, once we get to cost parity, which is basically a battery and a drivetrain in an electric car costing the same as what it what would be in an ICE car, that, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's game over. You would never buy a gas car at the end of the day. If you did, I mean, if you're prepared to adjust, and it doesn't take that much adjustment, we know this already, uh, just the economics just don't make sense. And that, I think it's also going to be very important as we move forward uh, here in the U.S. as the federal tax credit begins to phase out with Tesla, specifically um, after December of this year. So, you know, come 2020, there's no tax incentive. That's the right. market will be drastically different by then with the number of cars that we expect to see on the road um, from all manufacturers, including Tesla, uh, at that point. Um, will it be at the point where, as you said, even if cost parity has not been achieved come 2020, or at least EVs, such a dominant force in the market that ICE cars, the sales of those cars are depleted so much so that without incentives, people still do the math in their head going, yeah, but you know what? If I stop paying for gas, I'm spending $50 a week. That's going to be, you know, X amount per year. Like, yeah, maybe it's just worth getting into an electric car, even if it's going to cost me, say, $5,000 more than a gas car. But I'm going to easily save that much in gas alone already in the course of a few years. So, you know, I, I think we're, we're slowly getting there and, and Tesla is certainly pushing that envelope uh, a lot quicker than others. But uh, yeah, I, th I think we'll, we'll get there soon enough. Yeah, that's looking really promising. I mean, I was just watching a video. Um, I mean, not to just talk about Tesla at this point, but uh, Bjorn Nyland just did a Tesla on the new, um, I think it's the Hyundai Kona. Uh, mm -hmm. The little SUV yeah. and uh, driving 90 kilometers an hour. He just did a range test and he's getting close to 500 kilometers out of the grass, 300 miles. So that's a pretty significant, um, you know, vehicle. I think uh, they're going to do quite well in Norway. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think your point is, um, I think there's a certain amount of profit taking, if you will, on the count of people that wanting the federal tax credit in the U.S. And that's kind of juicing up the numbers too, at least for now. So. Uh, but it's good for everybody, you know, you, you just mm -hmm. got to get into it. All right, uh, spend enough time on this. Let's move on. A couple other things. A um, couple other things that, that, were, uh, that just came out. Uh, Electric got a, an exclusive on this one. Uh, the Model S and the Model X are going to see an interior refresh coming in the third quarter. So basically a year from now, um, next year. And uh, I'm going to say it, I, I nailed it because uh, the interior is exactly like the Model 3. <laughs> it doesn't take much of a rocket scientist to see the direction that Tesla was taking. I had said this a few times before that um, yeah, if I back up a little bit and you kind of look at the way Tesla operates, when they introduced the Model X, which was about six months before they introduced the Model 3, 
um, they went to this flat nose situation, right? The new mustache. Mm -hmm. And uh, right then, I when I looked at that car, I thought, because at the time they were starting to talk about the Model 3. We hadn't seen it yet, but they were starting to talk about the Model 3. And I, I thought to myself, if the Model 3 looks like that, the front end, we know what a Model S refresh is going to look like. And sure enough, like a month later after the Model 3 was announced, that's exactly what happened. So right then and there, I went, yeah, Tesla is a creature of habit. And when we saw the Model 3 interior, I said, what's the next car they're going to announce? Well, let's see what they do. And sure enough, I said, when they started talking about the semi-truck, I said, if the semi-truck has that interior, we know what the interior refresh is going to look like on an S and X. And that's exactly what's happened at this point. Mm -hmm. So um, so some changes. First of all, they're not doing a single screen. They are still going to a horizontal format. We don't know the size of the screen at this point. Um, to me, it still looks like it's 17-inch. Unfortunately, I don't have pictures. I would put it up here for you. But you mm -hmm. can go to Electric and look at them. Um, the dash still has that nice vent situation. So Tesla's all in on this new vent system. Uh, of course, it's on the uh, on the semi truck as well, and it's coming to the S and the X. Um, they are apparently. You know, oh, I should mention too that um, these images that you might pull up on the internet, they're concepts, but it, they're pretty close to what Tesla is going to deliver because Tesla, as you know, doesn't really do concepts. Uh, what they deliver is pretty much what they deliver. Um, yeah, so the S and the X are going to retain the binnacle, although it's hidden. It's really buried deep inside the dash. Um, uh, but at this point, it looked like the graphics were a little bit different. So I don't know how much information they're going to shift around on the cars and stuff. But uh, um, to me, it's just the interior just looks a little more futuristic, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of what the Model 3 kind of looks like. It's it's a simpler. Apparently, the other thing that they're going to be doing is uh, really upping the ante on the finish, um, on the quality of the of, of the finish on the inside to really step up their game. I, I think anybody who's seen a Model S or a Model X who's in that territory of pricing and comparing it to other cars, they say, well, the main quibble that they have is the interior doesn't feel premium enough compared to other cars in that price range. And, you know, for a certain degree, that's a valid point. So it looks like Tesla is going to finally rectify that situation. Um, the other thing in the article uh, that they were able to obtain uh, was that there is going to be an exterior refresh. Now, how much of an exterior refresh, I don't know, but that's not coming till about 2020 or 2021. So it looks like uh, Model S is doing just fine on, in the looks department. There's no need to really rattle the cage on that one. Uh, I'm glad to see that. And I think that in this case, you know, leaking this information is not something that Tesla really likes. But I think for a large portion of the public, and I'll mention somebody here in a second, um, it really assures them that, look, if I'm buying something today, it's not going to change in three months, right? I'm safe for at least a year. And... Uh, if you look at Kim from the like uh, like Tesla channel, that was one of the reasons they finally pulled the trigger on the Model X that they had won as part of the referral program. And then when they finally filed, uh, found out that news, they finally pulled the trigger on the car. They said, "Oh, well, at least we know the interior is not going to change for a year." So, um, have you guys seen these pictures? Yes. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? Yeah. I think it's great. I think I think it. You know, and this is something that the article sort of uh, positions, which is it is geared towards autonomy. Uh, you know, yeah. it is going to be a very futuristic look. I think the the binnacle that they have is 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 quite small. Mm -hmm. uh, again, and in the in the, in the for those who have seen it before, and if you're listening to the podcast, uh, find the article if you can online because you'll see the photographs, and it shows you uh, what it would look like on the dashboard. Again, these are all I'll, uh, I'll pull up the pictures. You keep talking, sketches, here, I'll go find them. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll see the photographs where they took the uh, in the rendering the computer and the steering wheel were taken away, so you can kind of see how small it is. 
Um, but it's at least, you know, there are some folks who don't like the interior of the three. Um, and to your point, Trev, we knew that after the semi uh, was coming out, we were like, hey, look at that. There's some there's some Model 3 components in the semi design. So it stood to reason that we would see that in the S and X refreshes. Um, I think it looks great. I think it's going to be nice. Uh, I think uh, having the Model S and X have different seats and different materials will certainly help to differentiate the two cars from the three. Uh, but it's it's I mean, I, I think it's great. I think it's really what we're doing uh, is going to be smart to do that. And I think it's also going to help with um, having fewer parts, you sort of streamlining everything. Uh, so the cars have very similar things. So when it comes to selling it, well, they all have the same thing. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a good idea. Okay. I just uh, found the image here. Let's see if I can just drop it out. Oh, it's not working for me. Oh, I hate when that happens. <clears throat> and I, I would add it's uh, it's consistent with what the auto, other auto manufacturers do. I mean, if you look at a, a BMW 3 Series, 5 Series, 7 Series, they all at some point in time look very similar. And then one gets a facelift somewhere, a little change. It looks different. And then the other two catch up. So I think we'll consistently see that over time, but it just makes sense. Once you get something that works and you're going to repeat it, and you're going to put it in the other cars and then one of them is going to get something else cool. And the others are going to catch up to that. Yeah. Uh, so I finally found the picture. I put it up for, for those of you who are watching the video, on YouTube, you'll get a pretty good idea here. But it's on Electric's website. I'll link to it, and you guys can take a look at it on your own when you want. Wow. So, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. Oh, speaking of which, there was um, – there was an. it's not on our talking notes here, but it just kind of uh, plucked my brain here for a second that uh, it looks like Tesla has a new key fob um, that was submitted to the S FCC for uh, testing purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a, an embargo on them releasing any information for a f couple more weeks or whatever. Uh, so we should see. I think, personally, my personal opinion here, that uh, it may be destined for the Model 3. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, summon in the U.S. on an S and X can be done on the key fob. Yes, Eric, thank you very much. Uh, but uh, in Canada... Uh, we cannot do it on the key fob. We must do it through the phone app, just like you have to do the phone app on the Model 3. And the Model 3 in Canada doesn't have summon no matter what you do. Um, we have laws for vehicle interlocks and, and anti-theft and all this other stuff. And there's been some discussion, of course, as to why that is. Um, it's It could be tied to a key fob. So I believe that this may be an option for people that want. And it's a Bluetooth key fob, by the way. So it's very similar to what you find on your phone. Of course, without Bluetooth enabled, you can't unlock the doors on the Model 3. Um, so I think it'll satisfy, if, if it is indeed for the Model 3, I think it'll satisfy the people that, that are having trouble maybe with their phone. Um, and it could also satisfy the lack of summon in Canada if it's tied to needing a physical key fob. So we'll see what transpires with that. But I'm, uh, I have a feeling it's probably what it's for. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on here. What else we got to talk about? Oh, hey, a big one. Um, Tesla is going to be adding some Atari games. They've licensed some Atari games, and they're going to put it in uh, as an Easter egg in uh, Firmware 9, which is due in about four weeks for the early access program, wide distribution. They're expecting to be sometime in September, I think it is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to have to find some time to uh, go and supercharge, I guess, and play some games on my car. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he said four games. Tempest? Pole position, pole position, pole position, pole position, and you'll be able to use command. the steering wheel. Yes. That's killer. 
the, the question is, is it really the steering wheel or the buttons on the steering wheel? I, I hope it's really the steering you know, wheel. My understanding is it's actually the steering wheel. Right. So they'll Can be able to all, all these cars now parked at the superchargers, and you're just going to see <laughs> the front wheels ding, 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 back and forth, back and no, forth. No, no, they'll be able to disengage it. Right. Are you sure about that? I don't think there's a clutch on that, the steering column. That's what I wonder. Mm, we'll see. But that'd be yeah, kind of fun. Be- and there was, uh, what was the other one? There was another one. Um, missile Command? Oh, yeah. Missile Command. Oh, wasted so many cars. So, so let, me, let me, for those of you who are watching me on video, um, I don't look it, but I'm actually almost 41 years old. So I grew up with an Atari 5200 in my household. So almost all of these games we're talking about, I grew up playing. Like, so to now be able to sit in my car like an idiot and playing these games when people are like, why is this guy in this car moving like that? <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 there's been certain Easter eggs that the S and X have had for a while that the Model 3 doesn't yet have. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's only a couple of them. But it's great now there's going to be Atari games in this car um, only furthering the love I have for my vehicle. Um, but again, harking back to my heyday of my childhood growing up playing Atari games. Uh, please bring it. And and again, this is just the beginning. There, there's more games to come. Uh, even Elon tweeted out, like, if you're a game developer, you want to come work for Tesla, come. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're going to hire more people because we want to do this for all of the stuff moving forward. So I think it's going to be great. Great. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Bring on Pac-Man. Bring it all on. Come totally on. Totally awesome. I can't wait. Uh, I keep Elon to get into the early access program. I need to find my way into this program. Well, then you wouldn't be able to be on the show anymore. Because <laughs> you're not posted. The first rule of the early access program is you don't talk uh, about the early access program. Yeah. Oh, well. I'll keep my stock private. Come on. <laughs> Please. Now, now he's going to have a, a, a whole like Fight Club video now because he already did Brad Pitt in 7. Now he's going to do Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Who, by the way, <laughs> technically, spoiler alert, wasn't actually real. What was his name? Ty- Tyler Durden? Tyler Durden, yeah. <laughs> it might be my next video, so hang on. <laughs> Don't be spoiling shout nothing. Out, shout out to everybody out there. You got to watch. Go to Tesla Tunity on YouTube and watch the, the, the Seven Tribute video. It's, uh, what's in it's the Oscar material. It's Oscar material. Good job. Thank good you. job, Thank Mike. You. Lots of fun. And congratulations <laughs> to the Jetta Wireless Pad winner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so that's basically most of the Model Three stuff. Now we want to get into a little bit of the into. We're getting to some different territory now. Um, I just want to cover the financial uh, results from Q2 because I listened to the webcast when I was on vacation. Of course, we couldn't talk about it. Um, probably not going to talk too much about it, but we're just going to go over some of the salient points on this. So uh, let's bring up here. I've got a. I got Tesla's um, update letter here. So um, just going to read off a couple paragraphs here, so you can get an idea of what's uh, what's really going on. So uh, Tesla's produced a, a vehicle output of seven thousand vehicles per week, or three hundred fifty thousand uh, per year. Uh, that's five thousand Model Threes and two thousand S and X combined. Uh, that should enable Tesla to become sustainably profitable for the first time in our history, and we expect to grow our production rate further in Q3. Of course, they're they're aiming for 6,000 cars, uh, Model 3, I should say, uh, by the end of uh, this month, which is August. In July 2018, Model 3 not only had uh, the number one market share position in the segment of the U.S., it outsold all other mid-size premium sedans combined, accounting for 50%, uh, 52% of the segment overall, and we already talked about that. 
And a little bit later down in here, they say, um, in July 2018, we delivered our 200,000th vehicle in the U.S., which means that our U.S. customers will have access to the full $7,500 federal tax credit until the end of uh, 2018 this year, at which point it will start a phase out over the course of 2019. We produced 53,000. Oh, by the way, I should mention uh, it was pretty obvious what Tesla was doing as far as holding back Model 3 deliveries and slowing down the S and X deliveries, shifting some of them to Canada. Yeah, you know, don't have to be rocket scientists to figure Surprise! out what was going on there, right? But that's good because they did everybody solid, right? So that make mm -hmm. sure that the timing is right so that you get the full tax credit for the rest of the year and a, a gradual mm -hmm. phase out in 2019. And uh, for some of us in Canada, we are able to get cars a little bit earlier than we probably normally would have. Okay, Merry moving Christmas. on. Uh, Tesla says we produced 53,339 vehicles in Q2 and delivered 22,319 S and X combined. And 18,449 vehicles, uh, Model 3s, I should say, totaling 40,768 deliveries. That's incredible growth. This has got to be freaking out the f <laughs> the shorters like crazy. Not only the uh, you know the the stock price that's been going up here, but uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so under, um, and the last little bit here is under the outlook. Um, Tesla says that we expect to produce 50,000 to 55,000 Model 3 vehicles in Q3 alone, which will represent an increase of 75% to 92% from the prior quarter. Delivery should outpace production in Q3 as our delivery system stabilizes. That's a big deal too. Uh, mm -hmm. Model 3 gross margin should show uh, should grow significantly to approximately 15% in Q3 and approximately 20% in Q4, predominantly due to continued reduction in manufacturing costs and to some extent an improving mix. An average selling price will remain high for several quarters as we expect a richer mix in the initial wave of Model 3 deliveries to Europe and Asia-Pacific countries. We believe uh, future Model 3 cost savings will uh, more than offset the normalization of the Model 3 average selling price in the second half of 2019, resulting in improving gross margins and stable gross uh, gross profit for uh, per vehicle. So, yeah, this is a big deal. I mean, the Model 3 is the cash cow for Tesla. They've been saying it for some time now. Um, th this production number of getting to 5,000 for them is the at the point where Tesla starts to become margin positive on the Model 3. This is something the shorts could just never get through their mind because they'd never really done the calculations. Tesla, you know, this 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 concept of Tesla losing money on every vehicle is is true to some degree because if you spend say two to three billion dollars on a program and you make five thousand cars that price that you've paid to build the, all your capital expenditures has to be amortized over a certain amount of period and it also has to be amortized on the vehicle so those cars end up being i mean you're selling for call it fifty thousand dollars but if you look at the cost of what is costing you to build those it's built into the price of the car at first of course it's astronomical of course you're going to lose money on that but that's not how production works you have to ramp up the production to the point where you get enough production where the revenues now start to come in that exceed what the cost of of everything calculated total cost of building the vehicle your tooling on all that other stuff so that's why this 5,000 number is critical for tesla to start getting profitable and as they ramp up to 10,000 cars sometime next year that's when the money will really start rolling in. Of course, the profit margins mm -hmm. will keep creeping up to this magical 30% that they keep saying. Thoughts? So uh, I want... I, go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, my, my favorite part was listening to them geek out about building the tent. Um, 
And yes. getting asked, is it a permanent structure? The answer wasn't yes or no. It was, uh, it's here for now and it works really well. Sure. But listening to them speak about how they've learned in such a short amount of time how to make the car more efficiently, that, that the GA4 is incredibly efficient. Um, and, and they reused a lot of the parts that they already had, so there wasn't a big CapEx spend. I just thought that was incredible that <clears throat> what other company comes up with the tent and has a massive surge in production. It was just phenomenal to, to listen to them talk about it and get excited about solving the challenge. I think the best I think the best comment that I heard on that part about the discussion about the tent was when JB popped in. JB doesn't talk a lot, but when he does, you better pay attention to what he says. And his salient point was like, I think you're being distracted by the tent. What really matters is what's going on inside. And I thought, yeah. man, he nailed it. I think that was a bit Words of a jab. <laughs> it was a bit of a jab, of course, to the shorters who've been making a lot of noise about, oh, I'm never buying a car that's built in a tent. Like, shut up already. All the performance ones are coming from the tent. Well, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I'm so thankful for the tent. It's giving me, <laughs> I'm going to have the world's most epic license freight frame, and it's going to say, reserved in a tent, built in a tent. <laughs> that's my story. They just gave it to me. It's beautiful. I love it. Just make it, just make it into a bumper sticker and put it in the back yeah. of your car. My, yeah. my, my, my car was built in a tent. My other car is a reservation. No, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. So I want to I want to read an excerpt from the last paragraph of that Please same do. document that um, you can actually get. By the way, if you guys want to read these things, these are great reading material. You can go to ir.tesla.com. That's where all of their stuff is. See, yeah, as you can you can see everything. It's open to the public. It's all good. So um, the paragraph starts like this. It took 15 years to execute on our initial goal to produce an affordable, long-range electric vehicle that can also be highly profitable. So imagine that for a second. It took 15. 15 years in their phase, in their plan uh, to get to this point. He goes on to say, in the second half of 2018, we expect for the first time in our history to become both sustainably profitable and cash flow positive. None of this would be possible without the incredible efforts of our employees and the support of our customers, suppliers, and investors. So ideally, you know, Tesla's letting you know, like, it's taking a long, long time to get here. But we now know in a very short amount of time, we're going to turn that around and become a profitable company uh, for the first time in their history. And the cars have not been on the road for 10 years yet. No. So it, it's it's amazing to see what this young startup fledgling company is actually be able to do in a very short amount of time. Despite the naysayers, the people who say you're not going to do it, the Tesla shorts we've talked about, you know, all of those people, it's the it's the investors, it's the the customers, it's the people who have believed in Tesla and worked with them to get to this point and to read that document and for everyone to sort of have the sigh of relief that, you know what, we finally made it. We strongly believe that come 2019, we're going to be profitable for the first time ever. And that's in large part by the people who have always been with Tesla the entire way. And for those of you that are listening now that are new to Tesla, that are waiting for your cars and you're patiently waiting for the standard model or anything else you're looking to do down the road, the pickup truck, the Model Y, whatever it is, you're here because you believe in what we're doing. We we believe in, in, in the mission. And so for them to say, yeah, you know what? It's taken a long time, but we're we're damn close now. Is, is, is a testament to everyone that's been involved. Well, I think Elon has said it many times that getting into the car business is a really dumb move. It's so capital intensive. 
I mean, you know, I, I see it all the time with these people, you know, they're harping about Tesla on every little thing and, and it's this and that. And it's like, in the grand scheme of things, people lose sight. I mean, you can't see the forest from the trees sometimes. You have to understand the GMs and the Fords and all the other manufacturers, God, they've been at this for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. They've had a lot of time to pay off this tooling and get their business orders, uh, their business um um, in, in line and get their dealerships uh, sorted out and the service thing sorted out. Tesla's been, I mean, 15 years. You got to give them a break a little bit. But it, but if you look at what they've been able to achieve in the last 15 years and six actually manufacturing their old cars, it's astounding. I mean, imagine what's going to happen in the next five or six years if they keep going at the growth that there are now. They're, they're not even going to be recognizable. <laughs> I mean, I hope they keep that What's the word I'm looking for? That uh, that startup mentality and, and keep mm-hmm. executing on that. How much they'll be able to maintain that if they keep growing? I mean, they're forty thousand mm-hmm. employees now. Let's say they double it in another five or six years. Um, hopefully, they'll be able to turn a boat around if they can. I mean, look what happened to some companies. I mean, you get so big you can't turn the company around. But- and, and I think a lot of people will people who are experts in those various fields, the various industries that they're contending with. Even like with SpaceX, you know, never before have we ever taken a stage one rocket and landed it back on Earth to use it again. And they've done this how many times now? They they make it look easy. Right. And so so the science, the engineering, all the folks who are having a say in how that works out, until you do it for the first time, everyone says you can't do it. And so for Tesla to do what they're doing as an auto manufacturer, when all the other companies, to your point, have been around for over a century, like you can't do it that way. That's not how you do it. Tesla's saying, we don't care what you're saying. We're going to do it this way. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, we're going to learn from it and try to become better. And ideally, the mission dictates why they're so aggressive. If Tesla's not aggressive, climate change and the effect that we're having on our planet is going to directly going to be affected by what we're doing. And for to see solar roofing, to see the power walls, to see the cars, and to see everything they're doing to really kind of get this product line out there as fast as possible is entirely based on what the mission is saying we're going to do, which is to push sustainability as fast as possible. So, you know, if you don't believe in it, that's totally fine. There are a lot of folks who will kindly ask you to get out of the way so they can get their car. Disruptive companies, man. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so the last one. We got to talk about the big elephant in the room. Elon dropped the mother of all tweets, the Moab uh. or Moat, whatever you want to call it this week. <laughs> the Moat. The Moat. Yeah. Uh, he says, I'm considering taking Tesla private, have secured funding. Holy mackerel. Boy, did the internet. Dun, dun, dun. Boy, did the internet blow up. Holy mackerel. Um, so what do you guys think about this? Like, uh, how are they going to finance this thing? I, do you think it's a trial balloon? Like, I remember back in the day, I don't know how much you guys remember, but when, when Apple, for example, was on the down and outs, mm-hmm. um, Larry Ellison, who's a good friend of, of uh, Steve Jobs, uh, who, who's also the CEO and the owner of, of uh, majority shareholder, of course, with uh, Oracle at the time, had uh, floated a trial balloon back in the day saying, I think I might buy Apple. And... Boy, that's the stock just went nuts. Of course, at that point, and of course, it, it never happened. But he actually called it a trial balloon at the time, just to gauge interest as to what was really going on. Do, do we do we believe we're seeing something like this? Is like Elon really serious about this? Like, what 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 would going private do to investors? I mean, we understand the whole concept of okay, if you go private and, and they've 
clarified a little bit, okay, we're, we'll do a private fund and you can stay in or you can sell or do whatever the case may be. Elon really wants investors <clears> to stay <throat> on board. But I understand some of his mentality, of course, because he's fed up with the shorts. He's fed up with the whole shorting situation. I get that. Um, shorting is uh, a natural thing in an industry. There's nothing wrong inherently with shorting, except if you use it to manipulate the media to get to your ends of the means. I mean, we'll take a little aside here. Um, leading up to the second quarter financials, I've never seen so much negativity from the shorters on Tesla. It was like it was a coordinated attack. We know that for a fact now. Uh, there have been several articles published on this on this situation, and since the second quarter financials have come out, it's kind of it's like it died off. There's still a few out there, but it's not mm -hmm. as noisy as it was. I've never seen anything like it. Um, so, I think I think Elon, in a lot of ways, just got really fed up with the whole shorting situation. He's made um, he's made a lot of hints over the last few years that running a public company really sucks, and. Uh, he, I think he's even mentioned that going private would be something that they would probably entertain at some time. Um, of course, Tesla went public back in 2010 because they didn't have a choice. They needed money. They needed support. And then largely, that's how you bootstrap a company. If you need the money, you have to go public. The problem with it, of course, is now you're beholden to Wall Street and shareholders, and you got to pay dividends, and you got to keep growing, and so on and so forth. Um, he also made some points, too that uh, it's largely how SpaceX is, 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 is all set up. That's not a public company. I, I remember, I'm paraphrasing here, Elon said that it's hard to go public with a company um, when your total outlook is 30 years out. I mean, Wall Street doesn't get that. They want money today. They want money today, yeah. not 30 years from now, right? So I think that was one of the points in his blog post was, you know, Wall Street's focused on each quarter and he's focused on years, like you just said. And yeah. the pressure that puts on Tesla to make bad short-term decisions to satisfy Wall Street is not what the company is all about for its mission and its purpose. And he did say, down the if this were to come to fruition, if they move forward, it could become public again down the road. But it might be in their best interest now to be a privately held company. Yeah, I agree. Um, what was the other thing he said? Something about SpaceX. Well, it, well, I'm just going back to what I said before, is that it pretty much mirrors how his SpaceX mm -hmm. is actually set up, that, uh, you know, it's a long-term uh, growth, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't work well. I mean, you can see, I mean, one of, the, one of the pieces of evidence that I'll bring up is the fact that, and this is something that's bothered me, and I've said it a few times, that this, this push for production and deliveries always towards an end of a quarter it just doesn't it's not sustainable you can't keep doing that it pushes the employees too hard it pushes your production too hard it makes elon cranky um if he didn't have all that oversight of having to do these crazy numbers and these crazy feats that maybe they'd be be able to um, operate more at a leisurely well not a leisurely pace but a pace that's actually more sustainable for them and it would also probably help with some of the uh uh, employee turnover, of course, right? They always seem to have a problem with employee turnover. I mean, uh, you know, every company has employee turnover, but when you push really hard uh, in Silicon Valley, especially with a company that makes cars, it's not like making an iPhone for crying out loud. Uh, there's a lot more parts in it, so. No, we, we had a big discussion about this in my office this week. Yeah, and, you know, where everyone come, As soon as I got, the news broke out, everyone's running in my office. What's happening? What do you think they're going to do? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, slow down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, exactly. And and I think their, uh, their statement that they released that afternoon 
And what a day that was. I mean, they actually halted trading on the stock for an yeah, hour. They did. I mean, it, was, mm -hmm. it was a mental day. So finally, the, the statement came out and then trading resumed. And I thought the statement made a hell of a lot of sense. And what I read into it was, was really to your point, Trev, is like, for all the reasons you just stated, but certainly for the well-being of the employees. Can you imagine being a Tesla employee right now, working day in and day out uh, under the tremendous pressure, the deadlines to execute these crazy goals just to make sure that the quarter gets pulled off, you know, plus all the other stuff that you're trying to achieve on top of all that. Um, and then you walk into the average coffee shop or you have dinner with some friends, whatever, and everyone's like, boy, are you sure you're going to have a job next week? I just read this article, you know, whatever, in Wall Street Journal or something, or I saw a thing on CNBC. It must be relentless, like, you know, oh, just yeah. all the FUD and the nonsense, you know, like it's the last thing you need on top of everything else you're going to try to achieve. And on, like, the legitimate stress and, and, and problems you have to overcome. And then, in you know, in your spare time, all you hear is these negative stories about, you know, how your company is upside down and it's a scam and whatever all else. It would make me insane. So, yeah, no, if nothing else, if it just gets rid of all that, I think it's worth it. Uh, but for all the reasons you stated above and beyond, I, I think it's the move. The only question in my mind is how are they going to accommodate the small investors uh, such as we are out here uh, into the, the picture? I mean, he's made a promise that he wants to try and bring everybody in. It's not clear to me exactly how that's going to work. But honestly, if it meant that I just basically had to sell out at 420 or whatever it winds up being, you know, and it's going to be the big boys playing, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm totally okay with that. It would sadden me because I have a long-term interest in yeah. going with them financially. But uh, I, I, based on what I think they stand to gain from it, I'd be willing to give that up uh, to ensure the success of the company and the mission. Well, I, I think he's, that's more important. He seems to be pretty clear in the in the fact that people that want to be invested in the company will be able to do so through some kind of other private fund, whatever. Which also brings up the question: Is um, he said he secured the financing? Where's this money coming from? Ah, that's the uh, that's the seventy billion dollars. Right, because question, at the same time, we Ooh. had this, this 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 big hubbub about Saudis investing five percent in the company. Um, you know, I think even saw on Twitter some people were saying, "Oh, it's a possible hostile takeover." I, I mean, I don't follow it that close to find out what's going on. But does he really need to? I mean, I, I, look, I'm not a financial guy. Does does he need to raise the company valuation, like the total amount of outstanding shares, the valuation, call it $70 billion, uh, whatever 420 uh, translates to? Is that the actual buyout price or is it a fraction thereof? Like, how does this work? Does anybody know? Well, I, honestly, I'm ignorant to the subject, but he's he owns 20% of the company. So does he need that $14 billion or does he already, ha you know what, I, I have no idea how it works. I've been trying to research this the last couple of days, to be honest. <laughs> well, the other the other question I heard too is, of course, it has to go to a shareholder vote. Now, with his, to, uh, you know, Elon holding twenty percent, I mean, yeah, he can't, you know, he may or may not vote for himself. What if he recu recuses himself? He did that for the um, uh, for the Solar City uh, acquisition. He recused himself from the vote. So, um, yeah. But I, I'm sure there's a lot of companies out there who who have a long-term vi vision. It wouldn't surprise me something like uh, Fidelity, who has a large stake in Tesla, and of course with SpaceX, they may see the future and may may want a good piece of that, and willing to give them the money to uh, to go private. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, it may silence a lot of the shorters because when you're not on the stock exchange anymore, the shenanigans, shenanigans basically stop. Now publicly, they may say a bunch of stuff, but at least they can't <laughs> manipulate the stock right. anymore, right? Right. <laughs> 
Oh, I, I think it would totally kill it. I mean, there'd be no point in it anymore. Uh, it would just sound like sour grapes. You know, it would be ridiculous. Um, but I, to, I, I do believe uh, that he would have to have a solid commitment uh, for the financing because the minute you make public statements like that, the SEC is going to come knocking, which well, they already, they already have. are. Oh, and they're, they're going to want to know, okay, you know, are you, you're, you're saying this, do you really have the backers uh, lined up? I cannot imagine that he would have gone public in, in, in such a quick and, and very visible way if he couldn't back up that claim. I think some people may be taking exception to the fact that he said that before they stopped the trading, right? I don't know how this whole thing works, but maybe they said. Yeah. Oh, there was lots of debates on different uh, platforms, but uh, the gist of it that I got was, well, look, it's the CEO talking on a in a public space, stating very briefly but clearly what his intention is, and nobody seemed to think that was illegal. I I, I saw a lot of of shorts trying to make the claim that like, oh yeah, no, let's invite a violation of regs. I, again, I'm not an expert on it. I can't say. Well, the shorts will fit. But, they'll, they'll pick it. Well, of anything, course, of course, but of course they will. You know. They'll, they'll say he used the wrong font. I don't know, um, but <laughs> but anything. But uh, no, I, uh, I I I will have to see how it uh, how it pans out. But my the only thing I can gather from it is I I would find it astonishing that he would make the claim if he actually didn't have the financial backing at least uh, lined up in theory on it. I I also think, and this is of interest to me personally, is just in that last few hours of the day where the announcement was. Uh, out there, you had a number of folks who had this, oh, like that very kind of like an aha moment of like all the news of the Model 3 performance and the road test. And all of a sudden this comes out there like, wait a second. This, that's actually not a bad idea. So, you know, obviously it threw the market into a, a, a tiz. Well, there worked, were a lot of folks. It worked for Dell. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, look, it's, it's not unfamiliar territory for other companies on the same thing i think in this era of social media and elon's very public with his twitter feed uh above it but I mean, we know he doesn't like facebook so we know we know that's that story but for him to at least kind of throw it out there like he, it's i don't think this came out of nowhere this i think this has been on his mind for a while oh yeah it's pretty obvious and and it's it's to see things kind of moving quickly and there were a lot of folks who were publicly stating after he had his tweet like i'm all for it you know, I, I'm an investor. I'm all for it. So it, it is going to come down to a vote at, at that point. And again, none of us are on here are experts in the financial market, especially in Wall Street. But it is it was at least modestly positive in those final few hours after he tweeted where a lot of people said that's actually not a half bad idea. And if, if it, and a lot of folks were publicly claiming their support for it. And if it were to work out that way, that's great. I do find some irony, though, that it's actually 420. Because <laughs> you know California, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Purely coincidental. I'm not suggesting anything, <laughs> but of you course. know, of course, just wait till October. Come to uh, come to Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah, in terms of this not being a sudden move, uh, I also tend to believe a lot of people who say this this was the famous short burn of the century oh. that he proclaimed three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, well, somebody can make a case for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Because it's, I think it was three weeks to the day almost from when he he said that, and we all thought, you know, our the media association is, oh, it's going to be the Q two call, you know, and uh, was you know really that was close weeks? enough. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure somebody claimed this. I didn't go back and check the calendar on it, but 
It was in in I'm and about have to, that. You know what? That's that's piqued my interest now. I'm gonna have to go back because you're absolutely right. If it is three weeks, because he did say yeah. three weeks, yeah. Then this is maybe something that he was May to. May fourth is when he tweeted it. May fourth, May fourth, two thousand eighteen. Short burn of the century. Oh, and uh, short burn of the century coming soon. Flamethrower should arrive just in time. Okay, oh. but. But but after there that, was he's, another one, he, no, he said another one. He says in about like uh, another short burn, something in about three weeks, maybe. But I mean, yeah. this, but his initial uh, statement of that was nine oh two a.m. on May fourth. Okay, well, oh yes, I remember that one clearly because I bought in a Whackmore stock at that <laughs> point, and there was no burn. There was no <laughs> Unfortunately, burn. <laughs> I mean, in the end, well, I, you're okay I, I now. Well, oh, absolutely, no complaints. <laughs> but I was kind of like. Dude, where's the burn? I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah. Don't let it go in order because that's affecting my Model 3 purchase, right? <laughs> yes, that's very much. Yeah. All my deposit money. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I don't think anybody who uh, would have a problem with it if they're in for the long term. Like, if they believe in the mission mm-hmm. and they're long on Tesla, I don't think they would really have any problem with this, especially if you can um, get in on, on the private fund. Um, there may be some ramifications for some people that have uh, some of the stock and in, in say, like in Canada, we have something called RSPs, retired, uh, Registered retired, um, uh, Retirement Savings, which I believe is the same thing as a 401k in the US. I don't know. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and I think you, you can't have, pri- I think they have to be public or something. I don't know. I, I heard somebody say something about... Um, uh, Again, that, disclaimer, we are not financial experts. No, no, exactly. Ew. But I was reading somebody online was saying something that, that causes problems for people that have Tesla stock in an RSP, that they would have to divest themselves because it uh, conflict or it doesn't work that way. It has to be private. I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. So th- these are all things that have to be sorted out at the end of the day, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and I've tweeted. I don't have a problem. If it if it fulfills the mission, then I'm, hey, whatever it takes, man. <laughs> I'll transfer. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, and there were some of the people that said, um, you know, some of the companies, oh, I think, um, who was it? Somebody said, oh, it was Bonnie. Bonnie Norman had tweeted out, and she said, um, was it Bonnie? I think it was Bonnie. Was it Bonnie? She said if, something. If you're how, going where I think you're going, I think it was her. Yeah, how she how she had um, mentioned um, joining a company, and they went private from public, and it caused lots of consternation, and ultimately shut the company down. Um, but on the flip side, it can also work in, in their, in their favor because, uh, mm-hmm. Dell used to be public and, um, now they're private again. And, um, I don't think Apple, for example, would have any problem buying all their stock back and going private. I'm sure they would love to yeah. do that. Although they're paying dividends now, they're a profit money making machine. There's no reason for them to go private if they had to. Um, who knows, but any last thoughts? Uh, you know, this, this, this is going on an hour and 12 minutes now, so, uh, <laughs> pretty long any closing thoughts well, on this well i i just think in general and we've we've certainly suggested a number of different points throughout the conversation but i think at the end of the day and and trevor i liked what you said in the beginning of it which is that it's going to bring peace of mind for the employees of the company um so that they don't have to really listen to all that ambient noise that's happening all around them they can just come into work do their work have fun doing it and go home knowing they're making a difference uh yeah. without all of that background sound just sort of causing static and headaches and everything else so that to me is really at the end of the day i think the greater part of all this which is the company is now believing that they're viable on their own without the need for all this influx of cash from other areas 
and saying, listen, we're going to we're going to kind of shutter those doors for a while. If we need to, we can always reopen it. We're not going to throw away the key, but we think we can get by without it. Thanks for getting us here and we'll we'll see you again. Well, they also said in the letter, too, that there was no reason that why they couldn't do another offering later on in the, in the future. Once they're stable, right. money's yes. coming in, everything is yeah. good, production's set up, they've got maybe half a dozen cars, 12 cars under their under their belt, uh, mm-hmm. maybe they could they could go public again when there's a little less risk. I mean, you know, being the most shorted stock on Wall Street cannot be uh, a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. So on that note, maybe we should just call it a night. Eric, where can people find you on the internet if they want to chit-chat with you? If you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is ECFIX. That is E-C-F-I-X. I may change it down the road, but for right now, that's where you can find me on Twitter. Excellent. How about you, Michael? Where can people find you, Mr. Tunity? <laughs> you can find me at Tunity on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and I added Instagram as well. Might as well take some pictures and share them. Uh, so I hope to see you guys out there. And on the forum, of course, Sofla Model 3. Excellent. And last but not least, our good friend Ian Pavelko, where can people chit-chat with you? Uh, well, on Twitter, certainly. You can find me at Ian Pavelko. And you can find me on the Model 3 Owners Club forum under the handle Mad Hungarian. Excellent. What about your t-shirts? I like your uh, color teal that you've got. Oh, yeah. I'm wearing one today. Yeah, good point here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we've got, uh, of course, the t-shirt program. That's through Teespring. Um, you can go to Teespring, teespring.com, and just look up uh, Mad Hungarian or Evolve Wear, and you'll find my line of uh, Tesla-themed shirts. And we've just added mugs to the program. So if you'd like a, a Model 3 mug with that same motif of the uh, of the caveman evolving into the electric car, <laughs> you, can, you can get that now. And there's a few more things. I, I've actually got a new design that's going to launch very soon to celebrate cool. uh, achieving true mass production numbers. So keep your eye out. That's coming out in another week or two. Well, that's excellent. Well, I'll put a link to his uh, t-shirt thing in the uh, video description if you want to check it out. Well, with that, we'll call it a night. You can follow me. My handle on Twitter is at Model3Owners. Don't forget to check out the forum at Model3OwnersClub.com. I want to say a big thank you to all the Patreon supporters out there. They're the people that make this whole thing happen. So if you're interested and like this, like the show and like to uh, maybe consider supporting us, check out the Patreon page at Patreon.com forward slash Model3OwnersClub. Thanks for watching and listening anywhere out in the world, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for watching, folks. See you later. Thank you.